It's the Sports Talk Podcast with Ryan Furrin giving you the hottest sports takes in town. You can reach Ryan through Facebook, email, and Twitter. Now it's time to start the show. Here's Ryan. Welcome back to the Sports Talk Podcast here on Podbean.com as well as iTunes. Today, the 8th of February, the year 2013, and this is a Friday. Great to have you here with us today on the eve of Snowmageddon. Well, it really isn't the eve of Snowmageddon. Snowmageddon is here. It is coming. It is, the time is 1040 now that I am recording this podcast, and it is just lightly snowing outside. So eventually, in a few more hours, we're going to get heavy snow, and then by tomorrow, we're just going to be completely buried with snow. But thanks for tuning in. I mean, thanks for listening to the Sports Talk Podcast. Maybe as some of you know, I, I usually go live on Friday afternoons for Newberry College Radio. Was not able to do that today because, number one, I was not going to drive in, do a show, a live show, and, you know, get buried at the college and, you know, get buried on Route 128 and try to get back. So that wasn't going to happen. In any ways, they canceled my classes today. So once, uh, at least in my school, once classes are canceled, you're not allowed to park on the campus anyway. So I wouldn't have been able to go uh, even if I desperately wanted to. So I figured instead of doing the live show, we'll just do the podcast today. I wasn't able to do a podcast last week, but uh, we're back here today on Sports Talk. Got a lot of stuff to get to today on the program. We're going to touch on some uh, leftover Super Bowl thoughts. Uh, wasn't able to get to those on live radio or um, on a podcast. Wasn't able to do that. So I'll give you those thoughts. The last time that uh, we were on the podcast was the day after the Patriots lost in the AFC Championship game. So a lot of stuff to cover with that. We're also going to get to some Celtics thoughts. Celtics are actually looking pretty good without uh, Rajon Rondo. We'll get into my thoughts on that as well. We're also going to talk about Tim Thomas uh, in the talk to take today. Tim Thomas getting traded to the New York Islanders. My thoughts on that. Is it good for Boston? Is it not? We'll see in the talk to take. But right now, let's get into the program here. Of course, you can always follow along on Twitter at Sports Talk RF is the official Twitter page for Sports Talk with Ryan Fran. You can also hit me up on my personal Twitter account at Ryan underscore Fran 12. And of course, this podcast is also on iTunes as well as the home Sports Talk with Ryan Fran dot podbean dot com. So getting into this discussion now of you know, the Ravens won the Super Bowl. Great. And, you know, let's touch on the game quickly because it did happen. It, it did happen quite a while ago now. And so um, just touch on it quickly so that way we're not, we're not dwelling completely on the game. But I thought that the game was pretty entertaining. Obviously not in the first half of the game. You know, I separate the first half between before the blackout and after the blackout. Not exactly the first two quarters uh, separating like a traditional game. I go before blackout and after the blackout. Before the blackout, it was a terrible, terrible game. Bad football. You know, bad football for the 49ers. Uh, obviously, the Ravens look great, but just not a good game to watch. So I was glad when, you know, after that blackout, all of a sudden happens, they came back and the 49ers actually made it interesting. And so, I mean, touching the blackout too, how absurd that blackout was how absurd that 
you know, the, the NFL could, on the grandest stage, on their biggest night, allow for a 34-minute delay, a blackout, and it's something that I, I've never seen before. I don't think anyone, we've never seen that on the biggest stage, so that was pretty embarrassing for the NFL. So we get into the second half of this game, and it started to open up. Finally, they start, the uh, 49ers started to get some good offensive chances. They started to put points on the board. And I think a lot of people thought, well, maybe that uh, Ravens defense is getting a little old and maybe this is finally when it's going to be, you know, the Ravens are done. They're not going to be able to do it. My predictions for this game, uh, if you did not see it on YouTube or uh, my last live show last Friday, I predicted that the Ravens were going to win. I predicted that they were going to win a really, really close game. I did not see it going like that, but, you know, who can predict um, exactly how these things are going to go? But I thought it was going to be pretty close and the Ravens were going to pull it out. And to be quite honest with you, the the 49ers almost took that game. And so fast forward here to that last offensive series and that last uh, series of plays there where it was San Francisco on the Baltimore five-yard line. First down, they run it to James and he didn't get anything. Gore was pretty tired, so they put him in there. Didn't, Didn't really do much. So still at the five. Three chances to punch into the end zone and win the championship, and they throw it to Michael Crabtree three straight times, three straight incomplete passes, game over. And so that was just very surprising that they did not even try to go to Gore once. It's a little bit, you know, you want to get the touchdown, you want to be sure of it, so maybe you want to throw the pass there instead of getting stuffed on the run, but... Man, you got one of the best power running backs in football, probably the best power running back in football, and you got a pretty elusive quarterback as well that can run the ball, isn't too shabby with it. So to throw it three straight times, and not even the fact that they threw it three straight times, but to throw it to Crabtree the majority of the times, not to throw it to a physical receiver like a Vernon Davis, where you're in you're in the red zone, it's the nitty gritty, and you gotta get in there. I would have thrown it to Vernon Davis at least a couple times. Maybe he was covered, but he seemed to single in on Michael Crabtree a lot, so I wouldn't have done that. I would have looked elsewhere, and especially that last play of the game where it was a fade route, clearly a timing pattern where, man, I can't even fathom why you would want to throw that in that part of the game. A timing pattern at that point, so, so low percentage. If you want to throw it, throw a high percentage pattern to, like I said, a Vernon Davis. Don't throw a, don't throw a, a really complex pretty much timing route to a uh, a younger sort of receiver in Michael Crabtree that was very very that was not a clear-headed decision I think at that time in the game by Jim Harbaugh and the outcry of Jim Harbaugh and Frank Gore was in on it as well after the game of saying you know that should have been a call you know that you know that should have been a a pass interference or holding and to my thing it's like stop being a crybaby stop crying about it I mean you had so many chances to come back in that game and you played like crap for most of it let's be perfectly honest with you here the 49ers played like really really they played some really bad football that cost them in the end it wasn't the refs it wasn't some cheap non-call in the end zone And, and you know let's just be honest here you're never going to get a call like that in the playoffs in that situation. You know, especially the Super Bowl. Down in the red zone, last play of the game, pretty much, you're not going to get a call. I'm sorry, you're just not going to get a call. At that part of the game, no way. And I don't know how you could expect that. Now, when he was asked about it, if he had said something like, 
Could there have been a call? I guess so, but you know what? It doesn't really matter now. If he had said that, I wouldn't have been as mad because could there have been a call? Yeah, there could have been. Technically, there could have been a call. Technically, there was some contact. But the only time that you're going to see that is first week of the season, September. You know, you know, regular season stuff like that. That's when that stuff gets called. But when it's in the playoffs, man, refs, and, I, and this is what I love about it, and I'm sure everybody else does, they swallow the whistle. And so you got to love that about the playoffs is that, yes, it hasn't been a pass-happy league and a lot of you know big passing plays and touchdowns over the past couple seasons, yes. But you got to admit, when it gets into the playoffs, these refs let them play. These refs pretty much swallow the whistle, and unless it's a really egregious penalty, they're going to let them play. And so I love that about it. So they didn't call, and I'm glad they didn't call it. And, you know, so, I mean, they, you know, they shouldn't be crying about that. That just bothered me about that game. Anyways, so Flacco wins. Joe Flacco, the quarterback, he wins. He's the MVP. So does he deserve to be called elite? Well, at least for me, before you do that, you have to first define what an elite quarterback is. And I was talking to one of my friends not too long ago, and he said that, well, I only define an elite quarterback as, as the greatest of all time, like a Joe Montana, like a, you know, like that. It's like, no, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> when you say elite quarterbacks in this league, first of all, let's get the distinction out right now. It's current quarterbacks. It's not quarterbacks from, you know, the bygone eras. It's not Johnny Unitas and all those guys. You know, those are great legends. But when we talk about elite quarterbacks, because it's thrown around all the time. If you turn on the TV, is he elite? Is he not? When people are talking about that, this is what they should be talking about. The majority is it's current quarterbacks. So, everybody has pretty much their own criteria, but at least for me, it's the top guys in the sport that win new games, with a couple exceptions. Elite for me is, can he do it in the playoffs? Can he win in the playoffs? Can he win you those big games, the championships, the Super Bowls, when it counts? That's elite for me. So, I only have maybe top five is elite, and my top five still... Brady, you, you, know, you got Brady in there, you have Eli Manning in there, and I still put Peyton Manning in there because that that's sort of like one of those exceptions that I was talking about because he no longer, I mean, he's only won one championship and he's had a lot of bad playoff losses. So that's, but I mean, you can't argue how the guy plays and how he plays on the field, how he presents himself on the field, just his sheer talent alone um, it's hard to disregard all the other stuff, but his sheer talent alone is uh, been one of the greatest um, talents at the quarterback position that anyone he's ever seen. So he's elite mainly because of his talent. He does have one ring, but it's mainly because of the talent level that Peyton Manning has, which is why I put him on the list. Brady's up there. Like I said, uh, Manning, Peyton, then I put Eli at number three. Uh, whether you like him or not, Patriots fans, he's up there. You don't get two Super Bowl rings by luck, okay? So I know that, you know, and I've come down off him a little bit in the offseason. I was really high on him back uh, when, off, when he won the Super Bowl. And so I've come down a little bit because the Giants were not good this year. I think a lot of that has to fall on Eli Manning's shoulders. But I don't completely say, well, you know, that was luck. Well, you know, th- those were lucky passes in the Super Bowl. His defense were on the championships. No, that's not the way it works. Okay, maybe one Super Bowl, and I would say, well, maybe it was luck, but two Super Bowl rings, man, two against the same team, against Belichick and Brady, twice, uh-uh, 
there's no way that you can say that those were completely uh, fluke games. No way. So I put him up there, number three. And he's clutch. He's clutch when he needs to be. Whether you like it or not, he's clutch. At the end of games, he can win them uh, when he's presented. He just didn't do it a lot this past season. But anyways, so I put Eli up there, and I still have Aaron Rodgers up there as well. I think he's still a good quarterback. He won a Super Bowl in 2010, so I still put him up there. Uh, and then I guess to round out the round it out, I guess I, I guess I could probably put in there, at, maybe at a tie of you know Roethlisberger and Breeze because they both won and they both have really good talent. So that's how I define a quarterback. That's how I define an elite quarterback. So when you take a look at Joe Flacco and what he has done so far, is he elite? No, not yet. In my eyes, he's not elite just yet. However, if he keeps playing the way he does, uh, I think he can get there. I think he could certainly get there. His numbers from the postseason, the best quarterback rating, 117.2. That's pretty good. 11 touchdown passes, the most out of uh, any of the other quarterbacks in the postseason. Most yardage, 1140. That was pretty good. And no interceptions, man. So 11 touchdown passes... And no interceptions, that's great. And then you look at his, you break down the individual games, uh, the individual game stats, his ratings. Let's look at Denver, New England, and San Francisco because really the Colts game, you know, that was pretty much the defense there shut down the Colts. And I know that he did his job, you know, two intercept, uh, two, <laughs> not two interceptions, two touchdowns in that game. But really that was the defense in that game. And it wasn't really a contest because Indy, you know, was the first round. So we'll throw that game out. So you look at Denver, New England, and then San Francisco. Denver had a QB rating of 116.2. You know, no interceptions, 18 completions, three touchdowns in that game. He was stellar in that game. You know, he was, you know, and, and everybody wants to say, well, he throws up the long ball a lot. And it's always lucky. It can't be lucky if he keeps doing it. If if somebody keeps doing it and it keeps working, it can't be lucky because it's obviously in his repertoire. If 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 he keeps doing it, it's obviously not lucky. Then you go into the AFC Championship game against the Patriots. Three touchdowns in that game, twenty-one completions, QB rating of one of six. Kind of went down from the Denver game, but still really good. And then this, and then the Super Bowl, one twenty-four. My goodness, 124. So, 22 completions in that game, three touchdowns as well. So, and again, no interceptions against, you know, a pretty good Denver defense. You know, a a good, sort of good New England defense. Had some playmakers. And then a really good San Francisco defense. No no interceptions. So, that's good. Now, maybe he's not an elite quarterback, but he was elite in this postseason. I mean, I just gave you the numbers right there, and you can look them up for yourself, But if you don't believe me. But he was elite in this postseason. So, he's not there yet. But if he does this again, if he copies this again somewhere down the line, I think that we're going to have to start putting him in that class. I think he's in just beneath that top tier of quarterbacks. I think he's, I think he's moved himself uh, into there because he has a ring. And I don't like people that argue, and they'll argue against a guy forever. 
And then once he gets a ring, they'll say, well, you know, it was lucky. You know, he, you know, it was lucky. It was all, it was, it was all of his defense. You can't do that. He won a ring. It's not all his defense. So you got to give him credit where credit is due. I know that, you know, he had a lot of lucky throws, but you know, like I said, after a while, if he keeps making them, they're not as lucky. It just, you know, it just happens after a while. So I don't put him in there just yet. Maybe if he does this again. Now, I don't think the Ravens are going to be there over the next couple seasons. I really don't. I think that the Ravens are pretty much done. I think that they're going to lose a lot of their guys here in the offseason. A lot of their good defensive stars. I think Ed Reed's gone. I don't know if he's going to come to the Patriots, but I think he's going to be gone. Obviously, Ray Lewis is out. He wasn't really much of a factor anyways, but he's gone. I think they're going to lose some guys. Uh, Kruger, Ellerby, I think they're going to lose some of their other guys, and I don't think that they're going to be as good. I don't think that their offense is one of the elites in the NFL or the AFC. I think the Patriots are way far ahead of them as far as the offense goes, so I don't see them being there as true contenders in the AFC for the next couple years to come, so I don't see Joe Flacco repeating these performances, but... Um, if he does, then that would be really good because I don't think that they're going to be there over the next couple seasons. Anyways, uh, we're going to break here on Sports Talk, give you a little audio scam, and then when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the Celtics and their winning ways since Rajon Rondo went down with the injury. That's going to be next here on Sports Talk. <laughs> tropical storms but apparently now they're starting to name winter storms i don't know i don't know what else is going on <laughs> but all right getting back in here on the program again you can find the sports talk podcast on itunes maybe you're listening right now just search sports talk with ryan ferran in the itunes store and all the uh, latest episodes will be there in one convenient place you just download them put them on your iphone your ipad your ipod and you can listen to Sports Talk wherever you are, on the go, whatever you're doing, you can listen to Sports Talk. So there's really no excuse for you not to be listening, because you can listen anywhere. I'm getting back into the Celtics. They're finally winning. They actually kind of look pretty good. I'm not going to lie. I mean, going into this season, you know, we one of the things, I've certainly talked about it here in the program thousands of times, one of the things was they got to, you know, get some better role players, get a better bench to complement the older guys, such as Paul Pierce and uh, Kevin Garnett. They did that, Courtney Lee, Barboza, you know, those guys, Jason Terry, they went out and got them, and they just weren't looking good to start the season. They they looked pitiful, to be quite honest with you. And now you're starting to see what it was supposed to look like, what we all thought it was going to look like when they got all these guys. And so 
now it's starting to come together. And so you're starting to see these guys play like they're supposed to. They're playing really well. Also, Pierce is looking a lot better. He looks like he's sort of re-energized. He's coming back. He, he looked kind of terrible <laughs> over these past uh, before the Celtics started winning. He looked pretty bad. He didn't look like he wanted to be out there. He looked like he just was done playing. He didn't look like he had it anymore. And now he does. And they look like they're getting a really good team effort going. Like I said, they're playing as a team, which I don't know if that gets you very far in the NBA anymore these days, but uh, they look really good as a team. So how far are they going to go? I don't think that they can beat Miami. Certainly not. I don't think that they just have, I don't think they have the star power there. Maybe they can catch a break. You never know. If they keep this team, they don't trade anybody. Maybe they can catch a break. Sort of something like the Derrick Rose going down. And so they're all of a sudden, you know, a door opens up where Chicago was once there. And now all of a sudden they're not. Well, now that's maybe an easier path. So I think if they stay in it, you never know what might break for them. Or a tough team gets beat by another, by a lesser team that the Celtics could uh, easily handle. You never know what can happen. So maybe if they just keep in it, something will generate for this team and maybe they will find themselves back into the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think they're going to get as close. Maybe if everything keeps going here and they keep winning and no trades happen, maybe they get in, win a first round series, maybe a second round series, maybe a second round series, but pretty much they're not really going to go far. Uh, Not that far this year, but so bigger point here. Is it a coincidence that the Celtics have started to come together and win without Rajon Rondo. Is it a coincidence that since he was, at the beginning of the season, named the team leader and Doc went over to him and said, oh, it's your team now, and Pearson, Garnett, we're all on board. Yep, it's Rondo's team. He, What he says, you know, that's, you know, that's who we lead. That's who leads us. That's who we listen to. Is it that much of a coincidence that they have not played up to their potential and pretty much all around have sucked with Rondo, with Rondo supposedly at the helm? I don't think so. And is it a coincidence now that they're actually coming together and playing as a team without him? I don't think so either. I think that it's good that Rondo's not here anymore. I'm actually, you know, don't want to see anybody get hurt. Don't want to see anybody get really, uh, you know, injured. But when I saw that, I was like, when I saw the first reports that he was done for the year... Man, that's great for the Celtics because now they can actually focus on winning. And it's not going to be focused on getting the assist record. That whole charade of getting the stupid assists record and everybody trying to convince you, oh, this is such a good thing. You know, when is the last time this record has ever been, you know, when is the last time someone's ever got this much assists? When it comes down to Rondo is passing out when he has a clear chance of the hole just to get an assist for the sake of getting the record, that's when it needs to stop. And that's when it gets way too over the top for this team. And that's where it was. It wasn't about winning. It was about getting the assists just for getting the assists. Just for the fun of it. Just for the hell of getting the assist. And that's not going to help this team. And it didn't help this team. And it really hurt them. Having him as a leadership role, terrible, terrible move. You know, you can have Rondo on the team. Nobody's saying that he's not a good player. I've never said that. I don't think anyone said that. He can play. Really can't shoot that well. I mean, it's developing, but he can't be your centerpiece. He can't be your leader. You can have him on the team, but someone else has got to be in there to be that heart and soul of that team, much like KG is doing right now. 
without Rondo, he's the guy that's in the locker room. And they're listening to KG, and they're following KG, and he's getting them to play. And they're actually really playing their potential. With Rondo, it's almost like, ah, you know, screw it. Because that's sort of the Rondo mentality. I'm going to go out there, and if I feel like playing against the Kings, I'll play. All of a sudden, the Knicks come into town, and he's up for it. And then you see when a team like, like I said, like the like the Kings or another one of these uh, scrub teams comes in, and then Rondo takes the night off and says, eh, I don't feel like playing. You see the whole team says, eh, I don't feel like playing. So for the past couple of weeks, before this whole winning streak, 6-0, and they were losing to teams that they shouldn't be losing to. And so now it's it, it makes sense that when Rondo was taking those nights off, the rest of the team was. Because you know why? He was sort of the guy in, in the lead. So these other guys that have come in, like a Jason Terry or a Barbosa or Courtney Lee, they come in and they say, oh, Rondo's the leader. Well, if Rondo, they don't know how it works here in the past. If Rondo's not doing it, then I'm not going to do it. And so everyone just sort of followed suit. And that's why the Celtics weren't playing to their potential. Their potential is a really good defensive team. They've started to play defense as well. And a really good defensive team, disciplined, and it's going to give you a tough effort. And that's what their team is. And that's where their team has been for a long time. And with Rondo there as the sort of leader, quote-unquote, it wasn't happening. So now that he's gone, they're actually playing Celtics basketball. And I think that that's great. I think that without Rondo, it's, it's a much better outlook. And like I said, I don't think they're going to go that far, but maybe, just maybe, as a Celtics fan, you can hope that something's going to break for them along the lines. A big injury, a, you know, something weird will happen where they can maybe find themselves in the Eastern Conference Finals and then maybe anything can happen after that point. But at least for right now, the outlook on the season as it stands here in February should be looking pretty good here. And as far as I'm concerned, get rid of Rondo because he's, he does more uh, harm than good. Like I said, you know, you could have him as uh, as a player, but... Not just centerpiece. So maybe some other team would want him. I think the Celtics should be done with him. All of his attitude problems. He's obviously not growing up. He's obviously always having these attitude problems. It's time to let him go. So I don't think they're going to go that far without Rondo. But I think it's encouraging to see that they're actually playing well together as a team. And they're actually starting to string together some wins. They beat the Lakers 116-95 to last night. Thrashed the Lakers. Lakers aren't very good. But um, still great to see them come together on, on their home court. And beat a team that they should beat, which is something that they weren't doing when Rondo was in in charge. Okay, we're going to break, and then we'll be back with the Talk to Take, talking some Timmy Thomas here on Sports Talk. Back into sports talk. Getting back into it here on podbean.com. Tim Thomas, the guy who took this season off to be with his family, his friends, and whatever the hell he was talking about, um, he was traded to the New York Islanders yesterday for a, a conditional second round pick in the in next year's draft. It's either I believe it's 2013 or 2014. Condition being that he's got to play. So if he plays in either this season or next season, the Bruins will get the pick. Simple move here. The Bruins really needed to clear up some cap space. Thomas was a $5 million cap hit. So they need to clear some cap room. And the Islanders need to add salary to reach the floor. So Islanders added him. It was 
pretty much just a simple move. They needed to get rid of something, and the Islanders needed to add something, and so there it was. They saw the opportunity, and they shipped him out of here, and also, obviously, the underlying thing is that they wanted him out of here. It's been so obvious that these past couple games that Tuka Rask is really the guy. Tuka Rask looks amazing. He looks very, very good. And his backup doesn't look too bad either. In his game that he played against Carolina, he looked pretty good. So, Tuka's good, and they don't need him anymore. They don't need Tim Thomas. And like I said last, I looked it up today, actually. If you want to go back and look at one of the shows that I did, I did it back in June. I think the date was June 6th, and I talked about Tim Thomas sitting out. That's when the actual announcement came out. And... So, I mean, it was a while ago that I talked about it, but it, pretty much the same thing. I, I have never liked him since the, the whole White House Facebook thing. And the, and the whole thing of him not being able to sit in a room and shake the president's hand of the side that, you know, of his of another political affiliation, that's a whole nother discussion. But the way that he did it and went out on Facebook and said, oh, I, I'm not going to answer any questions that I don't want to. You know what? After I saw that, goodbye. That's enough. I've seen enough of you now. And he wanted to go sit at home and do nothing this whole season. Okay, see you later. So, you know, see you later. Because nobody needs you anymore. Tukarask is the guy. And they're set up here with Anton Kudopin and eventually Malcolm Subban as well. So, see you later, Tim Thomas. And I think it's a great deal for the Bruins. They get rid of him. And if it all works out and Thomas actually feels like playing, they get a pick. So that's pretty good. I didn't even think that they would have gotten the pick. Um, for Tim Thomas. So, if he plays great, you get a second round pick. And if he doesn't, it's addition by subtraction. Because you didn't want him anyways. And now it's affirmative that Tuca can take, you know. And now it's like, yeah, this is my team. At least Tuca can say that. And, you know, it's really sad though the way that it ended. And it's really sad the way that it ended. Because, you know, this was a guy that brought the city a cup that, you know, was long awaited as... For what this hockey city had to go through over, you know, the first lockout and fans leaving and, you know, the team finally coming back. And he was such a huge part of it. So many nights in that regular season as well as the playoffs, he put the Bruins on his back. And for, you know, he should be celebrated as a legend here in Boston, a hero. And now he's just going to be remembered as an a-hole. An a-hole that didn't want to go to the White House and an a-hole that turned pretty much his back on, on the team. And... Obviously, there were some underlying factors there that we're not aware of as um, people outside of the team, but uh, I think he had it in for the team when they wanted to give the job to Tuca, and then he came back, and so he's had it in for the team for a long time, but, you know, it was the team that gave him his chance, and he won his only cup, so you know what? If he wants to, if he wants to be like that, we'll see you later, and that's exactly what the Bruins did. So he's gone, and so for the talk to take, Thomas is gone. See you later. Thanks for what you did, but you turned into a really, really bad attitude, and so, see you later. <laughs> Anyways, that's going to do it here for Sports Talk on this Friday. I'm trying to get out of here before the snow has fallen. Maybe the next, by maybe by the time that you're listening, the snow will have already um, been coming down pretty hard. Like I said, uh, at the time of this recording, not too bad. The first flakes are starting to fall. Um, but, um, so yeah, everybody, thanks for listening. We'll probably be doing on the Sports Talk Podcast next week. More Sports Talk videos on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Sports Talk Extra. And then we'll probably be doing, unless we get another big snowstorm, we'll be doing Sports Talk Live next Friday on Newbury College Radio. I'll post the links in the description here on podbean.com. 
It will be 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. next Friday on Newberry College Radio. But until that time, everybody, thanks for listening today. Stay safe with the snow. It's supposed to be upwards of 30 inches, so everybody stay safe. And um, have a great weekend. Try to uh, unbury yourself from the snow. And um, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. <laughs>